Hello and welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the co-founder of Officine Universelle Bully, Victoire de Tayac. Victoire's founder story is a little different to that of our previous guests. Bully was actually founded in Paris by its namesakes, father and son Claude and Jean-Vincent Bully in 1803. And it saw success throughout the 19th century with its line of perfumes and scented vinaigrettes. The shop was lost in a riot amidst a revolution some years later. But in 2014, after over a century of sleep, Bully was resurrected by Victoire and her husband Ramdam Tuami. Both Victoire and Ramdan are bona fide creative visionaries. Victoire served as the public relations manager for French concept store Colette, physically launching the store in 1997, while Ramdan is credited with the revival of 1643 founded candle maker Sia Trudon after the brand lay dormant for over 350 years. It's almost serendipity that Victoire is now at the helm of Bully, given her early affinity for 19th century French history, which you will hear more about in this conversation. Despite that century of sleep, the Bully portfolio now consists of 700 products. In this conversation, Victoire shares what she and her husband have learned about beauty throughout their travels how Bully crafted the very first water-based perfume formula and, of course, how she and her husband brought a heritage brand back to life some 100 years after its demise. The second youngest of five children, I understand that you were born in Beirut at the start of the Lebanese Civil War and were raised in Paris. So let's start there. What is your very, very earliest memory of beauty? Wow, that's a good question. I would say my earliest memory of beauty would be, so I don't have any um, memory of uh, Lebanon as a kid because I left before one. So really all my childhood memory would be very linked to France. And I would say it was my uh, mother's life in her bathroom because uh, my parents were going out quite a lot and um, and every night she was getting a bath before to go out for dinner and to go out to party and so you know she was in her bath and she was reading something and after she was doing she was wearing a bold lipstick and she had this perfume and so it was very uh, it was a very important room of the house the bathroom so i would say my first uh, memory of beauty would be very linked to a bathroom situation <laughs> Being the sense most linked to memory, I have to ask, what is your earliest memory of scent specifically? Is that your mother as well? No, and I would say I would say it's going to be a very French answer. My first memory is a very bad memory because I don't know why I ate cheese, but since mm-hmm. I'm very young. And cheesemonger, it's a very special store in Paris. You have one in every neighborhood. And as a baby, my mother was taking me with her to the cheesemonger and she could not take me with my trolley inside of the store because I was screaming so much about the scent. And she was leaving the trolley outside with me screaming when she was buying cheese. 
And uh, and I guess all the people were thinking this is a very bad mother because the, <laughs> the kids is screaming like crazy. And so and for me it was really a nightmare. And of course after I guess she just left me home if she could, not taking me to the cheesemonger. But it's a very early thing, and it's still difficult for me to walk by a cheesemonger in Paris because the scent is very strong. So I have to cross the street. I don't walk on the same sidewalk. And, uh, and they are beautiful stores, but it's just something that I always ate cheese. It's not my thing. I'm only one in my family like that. And so I would say that the first memory, it's really like, take me out of this store, please. I can't stand the smell. And after, of course, I have nicer memory of, you know, um, more, yeah, I would say maybe my, maybe if it's something more linked to perfume, it would be my grand grandmother perfume. Because in her bedroom, she had this, she was wearing two Guerlain perfume because Guerlain used to be, you know, what elegant and sophisticated women were wearing as perfume when I was growing up in the 70s. So it was really like, I would say all the women I was surrounded, I a Guerlain, which was their Guerlain perfume. Now it's not the case, but when I was a kid, it was. And so she had these two perfumes, she was going back to each other which was L'Heure Bleu and Vol de Nuit. And uh, so this is my memory. And uh, this would be the nice memory of smell. And you have the nightmare of the cheesemonger. But now uh, I don't scream anymore. I think that's important, though, to figure out what you don't like. I think it's a nice thing to find that out early on. Yeah, no, no. And I think a scent for me, what I love about scent, it's the way it surrounds you. Mm. And, uh, and that's something I'm very sensitive. And now what I love most, I would say, uh, when I get into someone's place and there is a nice smell, it's lovely. And it can be a mix of many things, of food, of, uh, you know, perfume, but it's nice. And after I love, you know, blooming season when you have very specific trees or flowers which are blooming. And this is really something that can, that can make me turn around the street to understand where the scent is coming from. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that would be, you know, I love the way that suddenly you're walking in the street and you have, you have a smell and you can, and now, yeah. And when it's the night, nature smell, yeah. When you were a child, what did you think that you might be when you grew up? And I would say I had no idea. I was really, uh, I was really, uh, you know, being in a large family of five, I was going, uh, you know, seeing people doing many things. So uh, all of my sisters were more working into fashion. Mm-hmm. I was very curious about history. So this is what I did at, at university. I was thinking maybe I would be a journalist. I, I didn't know. I had no, I had no clue. And after it was, uh, you know, it's funny. It's really, um, you know, we all having our journey in life. And I was um, first uh, finishing my university. I started to work in French TV on a cultural show. Ah. And I thought it was great and I really love what I do because it was, you know, about books, about theaters, about cinema, about trends. So it's really things that I'm interested in. But after I hated the TV world, that everybody wanted to be on TV, that everybody's goal was to be the one in front of the camera, that was not my thing. And after also it was very little money because it's always this kind of internship where you can't really make a living. And uh, I wanted to move out from my parents. So uh, I was 22 when I graduated. So, And uh, at the same time, my best friend uh, opened with her mother a store called Colette. Yes. And I wanted to have someone taking care of, you know, of the press and communication inside. I had absolutely no clue. 
but uh, I really love the project and uh, and here I went. <laughs> You've mentioned that you studied history. Now, I read that you became interested in 19th century history through novels when you were a teenager. What was it about that era specifically that you found yourself drawn to? Um, what it's... Uh... And I think it's different when I was a teenager than when I was, when, of course, with Billy. I think first about the novel, you know, it's very, uh, it's, uh, how do I say, it's, uh, you know, about the way people were living at this era, the kind of story between Paris, between um, country life. so it's really, you know, I guess after you don't know what, sometimes some, some era touch you more than others. So it's true that when I was a kid, I think I read all the Balzac novel and everything. And, you know, as a kid, I was also going in the countryside for every holiday. So really nothing else to do but reading. Um, no TikTok, no anything like my kid. <laughs> I just never seem to get bored enough to open a book, but me, I had nothing to do. <laughs> so really, it's what, either you read a book, either you, I don't know. So I, I had plenty of time to read many books. And, uh, and, and after when we start to work with Ramdam on, 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 the, on you know, historical brand and, and really what we love, it's also about these aesthetics. It's a kind of, you know, golden era in terms of aesthetic. And it was very inspiring for, for us. So you mentioned that you were at Colette. You were there from about 1997 through to 2002, if my research yeah. serves me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> were there any lessons that you took from that time and from that role that you find that you're still applying to your work now? Oh, of course, because um, uh, many, many, many. Because first, um, Colette is a very inspiring woman. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're a woman, it's very nice to have, a, you know, it's role model as women, which are successful women and very dedicated to the do and very talented. It's very inspiring because you can really. Uh, and uh, so um, as uh, it was really like, you know, she was dedicated in every details. She was uh, the most open minded person in every kind of project. And uh, Sarah was a little younger than me, 21. I was 22. I think the buyer was 27. It was really like giving power to the kids. Mm-hmm. And she was really managing the store and the financial part. But after, in terms of creative choice and idea, we were completely free. And uh, so that was really, um, really interesting to see that you can, you know, follow your ideas, make it work, and give uh, and work hard enough to make it happen. Because this is something, you know, when you're a kid, I, well, maybe it depends on the kids, but, you know, most of the time you will work what you need to do to go through the class and to go through university. But I was not working, you know, very, very hard. And when you start to see that when you want to get to somewhere, it's really about the dedication and about the vision. And, uh, and that's what was inspiring. And uh, I find always quite difficult when people speak about their project and when they don't seem to have a vision and a clear idea of where they want to go. It's always frightened me a little because I was used to, I started to work with Colette, was very strong and, you know, and, and, and Ramdam is like that too. So <laughs> I'm always, uh, this is the quality that I like. I think it's very important to, 
to follow your own uh, your own idea and to work hard enough to make it happen. And that was what Colette really told me. And after, I guess, uh, uh, it was very interesting to see um, how a store can live and can be a place where, you know, neighborhood people will meet, people from all around the world, and how this big machine was, was you know, a daily work to make. Mm -hmm. There is really a store life that I, now I, I like it at Bully too, but this is where I discovered it, it was at Colette. It was the most amazing place. The f I, I went to Paris for the first time when I was about 16 and I think that was the first time I'd really felt inspired by a store as opposed to just the bits and pieces that were inside of it. It was incredible. Yeah, no, it's really, it was, it was really a wall and, and, uh, and being in this building, this, this very, strong, very strong point of view. I think that's all about this. It was really their place and their vision. And it's been like that for the 20 years. Mm. And, uh, and so, no, and of course, I think it was the best first job experience you could get. So it was in 1999, so during that time that you met your now husband and your business partner, Ramdan. Yeah. How did you meet? And am I correct in saying that you didn't like each other at first? <laughs> yeah, no, that's correct. <laughs> uh, we, we met because he was opening a store with two of his best friends, was a kind of fashion store, a kind of concept, and he was making, um, and Colette was uh, getting a lot of press. And, you know, it was quite well known. And of course, compared to their store, you know, we were a bigger store. We were, yeah. And so he was made, he made a very funny T-shirt about, you know, uh, uh, playing on the name of Colette with stupid sentence. And everybody in Paris was wearing the T-shirt and he was getting a lot of press. And so I thought, you know, this is, you know, of course it's working, but it was quite, you know, unfair. And uh, Sarah, which is more clever than me, she says, oh, but uh, we are going to buy the T-shirt because if someone is getting fun of you, you know, at least you buy it and you have it in the store. You're just going to. And of course, Ramnam did not want to buy, the t didn't want to sell us the T-shirt. <laughs> he was only giving it away. So it was even, uh, so I thought, okay. And, uh, and after, no, and after when they opened the store, they start to do some, some party. And as I say, uh, Sarah is very curious of everything's happening. So when I was traveling with her, you know, and working with her, we used to go to see every single designer and every single thing's happening around town. She's really working like that and she still is. And so, um, and so we went to the party and everything. And so this is where I thought, okay, no, they have, he has a great sense of humor, the way things were done. And, and, and so that's where we started. I started to change my opinion. And after he started to work with my Japanese brother-in-law for a project, mm -hmm. I have a Japanese uh, brother-in-law and uh, he, um, he hired Ramdam to, to do a, to do a business of, uh, to be the creative director of, um, of a chain of uh, fashion stores. Uh, so this was the beginning of 2000 or something. And so this is where we got to know more of each other. So you became a couple, you began your family, you lived together in Tokyo, London, Paris, New York, Tangier. Throughout mm -hmm. your travels, do you recall noticing any major differences in the way that women and that men from each region were approaching beauty? Oh, pl plenty. <laughs> That's, uh, and uh, what I love about beauty, it's really about the intimacy. That's why I, I've been, and that I discovered it in Colette, but 
for me, it's really about how you take care of yourself, how you see yourself, how you're gentle to yourself, how you spend your me time, because usually in your bathroom, you're alone. So for me, it's really something that I'm very... I'm very curious and I would say that of course being raised in France and coming first from a more fashion background where, um, where you know image is very important and many things so it was a really um, eyes opening to go to go to Morocco and mm. I would say moving to Tanger with three young kids was I think maybe the best best decision we made because um, First, um, I saw, you know, uh, you know, being a young mother is not easy in a big city. And most people we see you like a pain. You and your three kids coming in the store, you and your three kids coming in a restaurant. It's like, you know, it's like you're the nightmare on, on foot in Paris, more or less. And where you have kids um, hidden in, in bedrooms. And, uh, and so being in Morocco and suddenly be seeing kids uh, welcome everywhere was first very nice as a family. And after I saw... Uh, um, you know how women were, were uh, taking of themselves, uh, what was important in terms of beauty, how you judge beauty and that everything was not, for example, how, skin you, how skinny you are, which was where I was coming from Paris and from fashion, which is very important in your figure or in Morocco. <laughs> to just didn't care at all <laughs> and you know if you're slim in a Paris way in Morocco they think that you're ill you're too slim <laughs> they think something is wrong with you so you know suddenly the change of perspective was very good and of course in Morocco there is this culture of this woman culture of you're going to the hammam together to the bath you you get rid of you know you you take care of your skin the soft skin is very very important there is something quite sensual about it and the way and so it was really um, you know I think uh, in this uh, in this uh, in the age I had being thirty something with three young kids it was the best really the best experience and also so it's where I discover and I started to your to use all the plant oils like argan oils and everything mm. and you had you know, you had this store in the souk, so in the outside market where you could buy, which are like herb store where you could buy, you know, lavender powder, rose powder, uh, you know, any kind of floral water you want, black soap. And all of this is really part of your daily life in a very nice way where it's not only going to the, you know, to the perfumery or to the supermarket to buy things to take care of yourself. There is more a culture where you, you know, you do things. And, uh, and, and that was really, uh, that was really important. And that's, um, so that's a nice memory. And after, after when you go from Tanger to New York, that's a completely different experience because suddenly you have, you know, uh, uh, you know, everybody is, is more in the looking for perfection in New York. You know, you need to have your nails done. You need to have your hair done. You need to have your makeup done when you're working in a company. You else is very important. So everybody is running. And so this was completely something different. And, but that was interesting also because there was, it was the beginning of also sort of, you know, interesting uh, niche cosmetic things. And um, after I would say maybe what was, inspiring for me was all the all the idea of well-being of juice fast of all these kind of things you know it was the beginning of goop so all of this i was very interested about because i think of course you know there is your dna and after there is the 
where you live and after there is a product you can't expect your beauty products to do everything if you just have a lifestyle which is not good for you and so i would say new york maybe teach me that because it was really in the culture and you had people doing things and and uh, and that was inspiring for that after i thought that you know for a french point of view um it was too much for the woman it was too much they were looking too much to be perfect for me. I think that's, that's what's not how I was raised. I think uh, you don't want to fit, you know, you don't want to tick any box on the list. Yeah. I, and, I, and I think that's something that is really, when you're French, you really see beautiful women, but they would, they would put everything, you know, they will have this amazing hair or this beautiful hand, but they will really decide which figure uh, of their appearance, of their appearance, sorry for the French, they would like to work on and they would like to push, but after it would be very personal. They won't get inspiration really from, you know, from a star or from a model. It would be more, I would say, a conversation between them or their mirror, or maybe between what they learned from their grandmother, or maybe what their friends have been telling them, saying you really do should to do that because this is great and so it was it was interesting for me to see people who would like more to fit in in boxes sometimes and mm. uh, and uh, and uh, and so you see there is you know and but it teach me many 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 things i really i really really enjoy living in in new york and living in brooklyn i would have stay uh, i would have stay i thought it was really 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 nice somewhere in there was when Ramdan became the CEO of Trudon, 17th century French candle house, a brand that he is credited with completely resurrecting. At that time, had the two of you begun thinking about maybe eventually creating a brand together or was Bully not even a thought yet? No, I would say that um, Trudon was a big lesson for us in terms of um, – in terms of business, because when mm-hmm. he started to work on the project, uh, you know, we were thinking, you know, scented candles. There is so much on the market, you know. We are not crazy about scented candles. It's nice, but we are not obsessed with it. And so I was thinking, you know, I don't know. I told him, I don't know what you could bring in this, in this area, scented mm-hmm. candle, which is new. It seems that everybody is doing so. You know, it's boring. And, um, and, uh, but he thought the company has a great history, which is true. And uh, because, you know, the way they keep their factories for centuries and they really had the know-how, which was amazing. And so he started to work. And first, we st- and when we start to work on the candle, and so I was working for him more on the communication, but of course, when he's working on the creation, he asked my opinion. And so I saw that what we thought was a very diverse market, but all the candles were smelling the same. Because everybody was copying the other bestsellers. Yeah. And you know, because there is not copyright on scent, this is something very easy. So they would say, oh, this is amazing. They are doing great sell on this brand with this scent. And so they were doing the same one. So what you thought was very diverse was, was quite similar in a way. And so when Ramdam started to work on it, of course, he did, you know, scent he was inspired about, but completely new scent. He had this idea which uh, the candle was also an aesthetic object. So he worked on something that he thought was what, what was he wanted and what was working with the company history. And so uh, it was a success right away. And so that was really interesting for, 
you know, for me, because um, so it's, you know, it's what I was saying. I think if you're being more creative than others and you work harder, but you, you, you know, you, you find success. And so, uh, and so, no, we did not think about right away about a brand, but as I told you, candle and scented candle is nice, but it's not something that we are not passionate about. And we knew that Trudon, you know, there was, for us, there was no idea to do something else than candle. It's a candle maker. You do candle, you do it beautifully. But it's, so it was quite uh, limited in terms of creation of what we could do. And I've always been very passionate about beauty, about skincare, about ritual. So Ramdam knows that. And uh, we had this idea that it was, you know, um, we had, you know, collected all these traditional beauty secrets from all around the world and traditional plants or all that people were using. So it's something we had in mind for a long time to do a project around this beauty secret. And so it's something, you know, we keep having in mind at that one point when Ramdam um, didn't get along with his partner and decide to sell this share. We thought, you know, historical brand is a beautiful background. It's an amazing frame. And maybe we could do what we are interested of in this frame. And that's how, that's how we started. And that's why we came back to Paris. It's to do believe. So that was 2014 that you launched Bully as we now know it. But it was technically founded in 1803. Yeah. I, would yeah. love, I would love to hear more about this. Could you share with me? in as much or as little detail as you wish a no, bit about the history of the brand it's um so as i say it's uh, it was a father and son company mm-hmm. so it was called claude bully and after the son had a great success with a body product called vinaigre de toilette which was kind of cleansing lotion and it was a hugely popular product and he, he won some prize at the Universal Exhibition in Paris, in London. It was very well known. It was a register, like an invention. So, and it was really what carries what carry the brand. And um, after he had some problem when, you know, France in the 19th century had some political change of regimen and quite violently. So he lost everything, but the company kept uh, going on with one of the guy working with him. And even if he lost his fortune and he never make it again, uh, the company keep going and he keep doing uh, with a store in Paris, which was in the center of Paris. They had many stores, but the left one was in the center of Paris. And when we hear about the company, there was nothing really left than one license with South America about this body product, which is only now produced in in South America because it's very popular there. So it's funny. And uh, and it was really it was really by chance. So we were really looking for a brand from this era because, as I told you, we thought it was the most uh, interesting one in terms of creation, in terms of name of product. So it's really French, but Les Virginales, Eau Superfine or Real Antique. It's a really nice way to talk about beauty. And uh, and so that's really um, how, how it started. So we took over what's left, but what was really, really nothing. And after we start to work with historians um, in the French archive, when you have old companies, there is different place where you could find archives. And uh, so we start to work on that. And so I would say we opened the store on the 1st of April, but we really start to work on the project two years before. So where did you go from there? I understand that you were working with historians and archivists, but how did you physically bring the brand back? I feel like there are so many steps involved. How did you find 
chemists who understood your vision? How did you decide which products to relaunch with? Um, the, you know, the packaging is so iconic. How did you land on this? There are so many steps involved with breathing new life yeah, into this brand. Uh, it was, it was uh, no, but it's true. It seems like many steps, but uh, it's funny. It really was, was an easy project to build. It took us time. Sometimes, you know, it's when you have a project, sometimes it goes very fast and after you just stop for a while and after it goes again. So it was like that. Um, but we had, we had catalog um, from the era. So uh, first we go through the catalog and we pick up the product which seems the most interesting for us. Uh, and in terms of uh, creation, um, it's really Ramdam's strength. So he was, uh, he was very good on that. And he, he thought, um, you know, he had the idea of the bottle. And first we, we thought, OK, maybe we could do, uh, we could do uh, ceramic. But ceramic was very complicated to do because mm. before everything used to be in ceramic. But we did not manage, even if in France we have ceramic producer, this was very complicated. So we, we went through that part. And after we decided, oh, the best is white glass and white glass is easy but after it was quite an investment because you had to do mold because sure. we didn't want to use spray you know most cosmetic company they will use what you have in catalog but this mm -hmm. was not working for us because we were about first we wanted to avoid plastic as a maximum and after we wanted to the product to be closed from what was the product at that time so uh, that was uh, no, so, so that was really from it, and we work with someone who start to draw all the labels by by hand. So you we could have an end finish, not something which is computerized. So you know, it's just that we are very uh, uh, picky about every details. So it takes times, but after it just all go together. And after because we've been working with in beauty for quite a long time, we had someone was that we really like, which is in the French cosmetic valley. So it's funny, but. You know, cosmetic industry in France has been something very strong for now more than two centuries. So we have great people with knowledge. And so it's very funny when you go in French cosmetic valley, it's maybe two hours and a half from Paris. Mm -hmm. It's completely countryside, all green, all field and everything. And you have some sign saying, this is Chanel Labo. This is Christian Dior perfume. This is, and so you have all these signs where you go and everybody has this fast story there. And there's this lady that we know, that we like. And she had a very small uh, factory where, where we start to work on the project. And the idea was very clear for us. We wanted, of course, the most more natural as possible because we thought this is, you know, when you created a product now, this is something you have in mind. Mm. And we wanted very simple composition for you know, people buying it to understand because I think uh, what you want is really to have uh, the less ingredients inside the product you want. Uh, and that's really something we had in mind with her. And, uh, and of course, after the best, the best quality. So that's how we, start, we started to work. And it's funny because some products uh, were like Queen Antique, it was, you know, or Le Virginal, which are our scented body product. It was quite easy. The face cream too. But for example, we work on a lip balm and it took us uh, six years to be happy about a lip balm. Why? Everybody say this is the simplest one finger thing to do when you work in cosmetics. They say, oh, lip balm, <laughs> so easy. <laughs> it took us six years to be happy about a lip balm. So that's interesting and that's what I like when you have your own company. I think it's, you know, you can really decide you know, you stop a project if you're not getting where you want. You don't have to say, okay, I want this product to cost uh, 
this price to make it. You just work on the product exactly how you want it. And after, when you think it's ready, you decide what is the price and what you do, when you say. And, uh, and that's why, uh, yeah, I think that's why for me, small cosmetic brands are very interesting. It's because people have really uh, an opinion, an idea, and they can put the dedication inside the formula. And for me, that's always been what I like about niche brands. That's so interesting because, I mean, it it comes across as a consumer of the brand, but there are so many brands now who will work the opposite way and they'll say, we want to create something and we want it to be this price point. How can we, how can we get it down to that? And but I think that's just, I understand because this is a financial, um, you know, way of thinking. Sure. But after, uh, you can never know, you know, if you decide the price from the beginning, you're not going to be free in creation. Mm. So what we are interesting is to be the most creative at the point of what we are doing this. So we are not just going to to limit ourselves. And um, so, no, it's, it's really not that. And even, you know, it was funny because one of something which is very strong for us is a water-based perfume. Yes, and I wanted to talk to you about this. Yeah, and Hanami has this really, these things about scents we've discovered with Sir Trudon, and he was very clear he didn't want alcohol in the perfume because he didn't like, you know, the kind of components you add with alcohol because sometimes you have additives with alcohol which are not mm. great, like ethanol or things like that. And after, he didn't like the way alcohol smell on the skin and the way the perfume was very strong. He thought this is, you know, he thought it was something from the past. And it was very difficult to find someone. And finally, it took us, this was maybe the longest on the project because I think maybe it took us, you know, maybe one nearly two years to find the engineer who work on this water-based emulsion, which was a, a staying because of course a, a perfume we wanted to be persistent. And, um, and so we do it, it looks great. The way the scent rendering, it's great, you know, and it's, it's very, I say it's always very round, very powdery. It's like a skin perfume, it's very sensual. So we are very happy about the result. And, but compared to other perfume, it's an emulsion. So it's a bit milky. So it's very different. And so I say to Hamam, you know, I think it's a huge risk because nobody is doing that. Customers, they won't know. And, uh, you know, maybe we should not, do, maybe we should have water-based perfume, but are you sure we should not do, you know, because most brand, if they were doing water-based, they were doing at a base for the sun. So yeah. they would have the alcohol line and maybe one water base for the sun, which was not the idea. And, but I thought maybe customer won't understand. And, and you know, it's, uh, and so, but Ramna was very clear, this is a risk we need to take because uh, it's, um, it's very important. But I thought that was very bold. And he always tell this story saying I was against water based perfume. I was not, but I thought this is very risky. Because when you're doing something that nobody is and you're opening a store and you need a store to be able to work because you need to sell to keep on with the business. And so the first year I was in the store and I keep putting the perfume on my hand to show customers the texture so they understood. And, uh, and, I, and I keep doing that in time in the store because I want, always want the customer to understand this is not a traditional perfume. And now I think it's 30% of the sale. It's a huge success. And I'm very proud of that, but it's true. It, it was, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I was not sure customer would understand this. It, you're absolutely right. It is a big risk. This is one of my favorite things 
to talk about because when you create something that is the first of its kind, there is a whole additional educational piece that comes with that. Like you've yeah. just said, you had to physically be in the store showing customers <laughs> how to use it. Yeah, and I still do it. If, I, if I'm the one doing the training for a new store, mm. uh, I do it. And it's funny because the team who joined us maybe one year or two years ago, for them, it all makes sense. This is a water-based perfume. It's like, you know, it's like they don't question this <laughs> because they did not be here when there was nobody doing so. And you need to prove yourself. And no, I think, I think risk-taking, it's part of, it's part of, it's part of business. And I think uh, it's bold. I think which was something which helped us in not only being in the stores, it's, um, I always thought, because it's how I work, that you need to, uh, to give very clear information for your customers. Mm. And so information and uh, being very transparent about ingredients, about quality, properties. So when we opened the store, we were uh, four people to work at the beginning, including store staff. So it was very little. Mm. And we took time to work a catalog at the same time. This is my, my copy where I work the thing mm. I, I, I want to change for the next one. So this is the one from last year. And, uh, and we took, and it was very, very precise about the quality of each oils and everything. And the customers, they love it. Because what I like also is to talk about beauty in a serious way. You know, it's about efficiency, it's about properties, it's not about, you know, nice word or kawaii or... So I really wanted to keep it very clear and informative. And I think it helped us also for the water-based perfume because it was really something we were, you know, teaching people, this is how it works. But after this period, we added for every other thing. Should it be a dry brushing from Germany or would it be a sponge from Greece? Because we are sharing the story, how you can use it. And this is always the things we want. And I think that's what our customer like is when you enter a beauty store, you will have many, many informations and new ideas or how to you can use products. I think that book is particularly useful as well because the line consists of something to the tune of about 700 products. So yeah. you need to have some sort of a reference. How does that product development process work for you? How do you decide which products that you're going to add to the line, which, I guess, ancient products that you're going to bring back? It's, it's, um, it's, not like, it's the same. It's not very rational. I would say that um, we are not, you know, a year ahead. We do, we do not decide we want to do five products and this is the five product we're going to do and where are we going to launch it because there is always this back and forth. We never know when we would be happy about a product. Mm. So if not, it's really about uh, it's really about a desire about something that uh, uh, sometimes it's things that very simple that we have in mind for the long time. But finally, we find the people. For example, we're going to launch some bath salt with some of the scents we have, and it's something that the customer keep asking since the first year because bath salt is really quite old school. It's a nice present. So and but finally, we we want a great girl in in Brittany which is specialized in bath salt because this is a place with a lot of salt and she's doing amazing one and so we thought okay we will go and we will do it so this was an easy product to do once we found a good person but it took us many years because you know we were not of course looking really for someone to do so but we had it in mind and sometimes and that's like that or after Ramdam he has he has, he has something in mind for a very long time which is a fun product which is going to be launched during summer 
he wanted to have um, a perfume for baskets for sneakers mm -hmm. that smell like uh, brand new mm. because he used to be a sneakers addict yes. and of course when you have uh, what you want is you know this, this cleanless smell and so he thought you know with uh, this new technique called micro encapsulation where you put the scent in very tiny bubble and so when if you put the perfume inside your things and when you will put your feet up the bubble will break and you will have the scent and wow. so he had, he had this uh, he had this in mind for a very long time but first he thought maybe it's not bully maybe i should do it for a sneaker brand and everything finally we will do it for the bully and so this is a funny project but it took us also a little while because it's complicated to complicate to develop so it's not uh, yeah it's, uh, after also we are going to work on things how to perfume your car so it's really about what we are, uh, what we are, uh, what we have on mind at time. You mentioned a bit earlier on about how you wanted the products before you'd even started. You knew you wanted to them to be natural. Now, in 2018, I know that you published a book, the An Atlas of Natural Beauty. So this is obviously very important to you. A very broad question: Why natural? Why was that a prerequisite for you? Alors, it's funny because I think that, um, alors, it's also, it's something, you know, it's something with that. So first, when we start to open, because after Colette, we opened the first beauty niche brands called Parfumerie Générale, mm -hmm. which was very popular in Paris, where we carry beauty brands from all around the world. And I was very, I was amazed that people start to be interested by organic food, because in Paris, we are not like in Australia, you know, it took us a long time. So they were interested about organic food, but they were not paying attention of the quality they were putting on their thing, on their skin. And skin is a very tiny barrier. Mm. So I was thinking, this is funny. You start to be concerned by organic food, but nobody is never asking you questions about composition. And that was, that's where I started my thinking process about this and also it was a time when I start to have my first daughters and of course you start to be more concerned about all this and so I thought you know it's funny that it's not the main concern so for me it really started in two two uh, two two or three uh, about thinking you know you should pay attention and some things need to be you know organic and some things you've been natural and 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 I don't it's not like that I don't believe in science I do believe in science and I think you know products are better and everything but I think that's what you do with beauty product which is you know cleaning which is hydration which is uh, sometimes treating a problem uh, you could it's working with natural ingredients it's really do and you don't need and i think the skin and that's my opinion that's very personal but i think the skins understand better simple formula than when you put too much actives i think we have this idea that skincare should be a competition and more and more and you have these very specific active but i think the, the skins can't can't handle it that's my opinion so mm. that's why we had all of this so of course there was a concern of you know being natural for the goodness of everybody and after we, we we did not reach first for organic certification because we thought this is not very beauty because all the organic brand you know they are very ep like they are not very high-end so we thought it's not really us this is what we 
we want to have the organic quality, but we won't do the certification, which is an administrative process. And now, seven years after, because we are getting bigger, we are going through the process of organic certification. And I'm very happy about that because I think, you know, at one point, it's, it's, it's important to be very clear from our customers and, uh, and from this. But so you see, it's really, it's been, yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, like 18 years um, with this on our mind. Mm. We touched on this earlier in terms of having creative freedom, but I would love to spend a little bit more time on it. We have seen over the last few years a real rise in the prominence of niche fragrance houses, and I would love your take on that. Why do you think that consumers are really celebrating and investing in smaller batch-made scents now? Oh, because... um... I think there is something about the standardization of perfume, which is not working. I think perfume is about expressing your style. It's like picking a dress, but it's more important than picking a dress because it's going to be your everyday dress. So I think it's an important choice. And I think, um, I think maybe perfume industry went too much into celebrity perfume and fashion perfume, like it means anything to have the same perfumes and a, you know, send a designer. Designer can make great perfume, but it's not because they are designers that they make a great perfume. And I think first issue to be about the perfume. And for me also, what changed? It's I think for people it's difficult to buy perfume in a huge perfumery. How yeah. can you buy perfume you when you have 300 perfume where all the scents are mixing when everybody is popping you? This is the worst of the perfume experience, even worse than the cheesemonger. That for me. <laughs> I never go in a big perfume places. It's a nightmare. I would go to buy makeup for my daughters, but I would go as far as I can from the perfume area. I think it's too much. And I think that's where people, you know, people are, people, people are, are, are intelligent and educated, and educated consumers. So when you start to have your nose train of nice quality perfume, you can't go back the other way. And I think there is a curiosity about this. And I think some great small house like Frédéric Mal or Francis Curgian or Miller Harris to speak about the English one, they did this work of education where suddenly people, uh, you know, were understanding quality of perfume. And because perfume is an important part of who you are, they were ready to commit to a more expensive price or to different quality and to see it. And proof is that now big perfume houses are doing you know, small one, which are very nice quality too. And so they use, they use this. And for me, my opinion also, and it's more general about perfume, is that our relationship to perfume change because now we live in a perfume world. Everything is perfume. Because you have scented candles everywhere, you have aroma diffuser everywhere, a bakery is perfume, a restaurant is perfume, an hobby hotel is perfume, an airport is perfume. So it's like we have so much scent going around that maybe we want our scent to be very personal and intimate. You see mm. what, what I mean? And I think that's why some, there, is some, there is also a backlash in perfume. People thinking, you know, we want a free perfume spaces. And I understand this because at one point, you don't want a, a chaos of smell. And, sure. uh, and I think that maybe, you know, that's, that's, that's part of this too, that people are being more careful because it's a bit too much. Mm-hmm. You have been a part of the beauty industry for some decades now and you've sat at the helm of your brand since 2014. 
Over that time, what have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen within the beauty industry? Oh, um, I, of course, uh, what we've been talking before, the rise of the organic and natural being, mm-hmm. you know, being, being very now well-known and average and easy to find and, and people are taking it seriously because before when you were taking that, everybody said, oh, the texture is bad, the smell is bad. So this is interesting. And after I think that's... Um, yeah, I would say maybe people uh, start to take uh, beauty product more seriously. So I saw the rise of, you know, dermatological brand of, uh, you know, uh, uh, surgery, surgery brand like uh, post-surgery. And this is very interesting because this is a reality of how, you know, how we see age and how we see aging. And this is something I think which is uh, getting more and more important I never believe so much. I saw also the rise of the men's brands. I never believe so much because I don't see a difference so much about men and women needs. But so this is a trend which is an ongoing trend that you should speak to men in a different way than women. I'm not so sure. In beauty, we have as much men and women and it's something that I'm very happy about. And I would say maybe because I spend a lot of time in Asia, I would say the amazing uh, Korean industry which I think for me is the most, you know, in terms of industry, what they have been creating and the success, it's not the kind of cosmetic I wear and, and everything, but, uh, but, it, but it's great. And what changes do you think that we can expect to see over the coming few years? Uh, uh, what is it? Um, I would say... Um, no, I would say, I think we would see a change because uh, I would see a change with, because with, you know, all the department store which are getting less popular and department store should be where you were buying cosmetics. Mm. So we are changing our relationship to cosmetic and how we buy it. And I think there is new brands which are doing things which are online and a relationship to their customers. And of course, for me, the most important is always the organic and natural part being, you know, taking more seriously and making a bigger business for everybody to go into this and to leave the other part around. So this is the thing I'm okay. And also I'm very interested about all the people which are doing, um, I would not, I can't call it oral cosmetic, but it's all the supplements. Mm. And we even have some French, some small French brand doing so. And I think this is going to be the most important because now we are, everybody is going to, everybody I think is taking daily supplements, even mm-hmm. in France, which we are very slow on this, but it's taking part of our daily routine. And I think people will, will uh, go to this next step, which is maybe you need to take something inside to have the glow outside. Mm. My final question, what is next for Bully? Oh, alors, uh, always, always many things. A very exciting new office in Paris, so we, which we are happy because after one year of uh, working from home, it's going to be yeah. very nice to have a team life back because really, really is really a team, uh, a team story. So that's that's important. After we have out, we have a nice. Um, a project um, in in other country which is always always very uh, always very uh, always very interesting and after we, you know we did uh, two new books so one about uh, 19th century ladies that we republished which is taking about about beauty secret from viscera wow. very 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 funny very you know an old way of how you should learn to 
see yourself in a mirror to improve the way you look of how you should set up your bathroom and everything. It's very, very charming and uh, completely from another era. And after we have been lucky to do a work, uh, um, a, a book with Gail Staten about the beauty worlds, all the store, all the packaging. So it's more about our creative process, but it was a very nice project. And I, I would just add something because I, I just stopped before and it's true, it's, uh, you know, Japan is very important for us. Mm. And we have now eight stores there, we spent the year and they have also this amazing relationship to beauty and to rituals. And when you say, what did I learn in every country? I, I spoke about this, but I didn't spoke about Japan. And I would say that um, uh, Japan is really a, a country where you learn that hands are so important and what mm -hmm. you have in your hands, how you massage yourself, how you apply the product. You know, they put a lot of dedication of this. And so this is really something which is important for me. Is, uh, for example, we have our hand cream pomade concrete. It's quite thick. And uh, when you apply it, you really need to, to warm it and to massage it. And I think massage is as much important as the cream. And all of this uh, make, made it even more sense after being into Japan and see this culture where you massage each other, you massage your grandparents, you massage your kids. When you apply your skin, you massage your face. And this was very inspiring. And after, I love water. I love to swim, I love bath, and, and, and onsen, Japanese thermal bath, mm. it's really, really special. And I would say for me, my, my best beauty experience is going to a traditional Japanese hotel where they have an onsen, where you uh, undress yourself to put this kimono and you leave the outside world outside of the hotel and you just into this bubble and you have this relationship with very hot water, with very cold water, with scrubbing yourself, which is not far from uh, Morocco in a way, but very different. And this is really something that is the most important. That was Victoire de Tayac, co-founder of Bully 1803, which you can find on Instagram at officine underscore universelle underscore bully. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you.